The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon. And welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, to date, most religions have wanted to claim their own God. In the West, the Christian religion has claimed that their God is the only God, that every other God is actually a false God. But what if, like Pope Francis says, we're all meeting the same God in different ways? What if, in fact, each religion, each language of each religion, each ritual, each path, each prayer is but a different language meant to reach but one universal divine entity who knows we each have a different way of finding our truest spirituality? Would that be such a terrible thing? Or is it that our bias is keeping us from allowing that possibility? Well, today, we're going to talk about an interfaith, interspiritual God. So you want to be here for the whole show today. So let me tell you what Pope Francis said. He said, many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways. In this crowd, in this range of religions, there's only one certainty that we have for all. We are all children of God. He also said sincere dialogue among men and women of different faiths may produce the fruits of peace and justice. He's reportedly completely abandoned any notion that God is only available through Jesus Christ. He believes that there are many paths to the one divine entity we call God. So we call that God in the West, we call the divine God. Um, I hesitate to use that term because it implies a Western religion in the West. To people who hear it in the West, they think we're talking about the God of Judaism or the God of of Christianity. Um, But it's used that way, God, the word God, is used in different languages around the world for their divine entity. But I use the word divine most of the time because it just covers all of it. Um, and I'm comfortable covering all of it because I'm uncomfortable believing that uh, the God of the Christian church or the God of the Ju- uh, Judah, uh, Jewish church or the God of Muslim or, or uh, Islam or the God of anything is the only God. Um, so we're going to talk about the various ways of attaining to uh, some kind of idea of God or some kind of relationship with God or the divine today, and we're going to try to see if we can talk about those from an inner faith or inner spiritual perspective. So what do we mean by inner faith? Interfaith uh, generally is a term that's used externally to talk about a dialogue between different faiths. Um, it, it means that faith is inclusive, not exclusive. It means that we are um, willing to consider 
that faith can spread among various religions and that different people can have different experiences of the divine. Um, and still it is uh, a valid experience that can be treasured and, and uh, uh, validated within the mind of the individual and or within the, uh, his or her religion and or globally. Um, so um, that's interfaith. Interspiritual is a way of talking about the various spiritual paths that aren't necessarily a part of a religion but are do um, include a path to, divine, to the divine. So many people in America today would say that they are spiritual but not religious. And what they mean by that is they have defi- found their own path to the divine. Um, and so uh, without the use of a religion, they have uh, been able to sort of uh, connect to the divine in, in their own way, through their own path, and it's very individualized. So we want to include that as well. So the interfaith, interspiritual God is a God that is all-inclusive. That is, that is not divided into nations and is not divided into religions and is not, um, is not considered valid in only one uh, religion, but has a validity throughout religions and uh, can be attained any, by any pathway that is valid for that person. Um, but we're, you know, in the West, we're really afraid of that. Particularly right now, we're seeing an explosion into the political world of of this idea about uh, Christianity that's very rigid and, and authoritarian in its uh, essence. And it's all it's the old idea uh, that's been in the Christian church for centuries, since the beginning of the Christian church, actually, since it's actually referenced in the Bible as well. This uh, divide uh, between people who believe in the law, that the law is what saves us, and people who believe in grace and that it's grace that we live by. So uh, that war uh, has been going on for centuries where uh, what has happened over time is that the authoritarians who believe in the law have taken more and more power over the Christian church and even into the form of developing national organizations that pass down edicts to the local churches uh, to tell them what their theology should be and how they they should be organized into an to um, command the uh, hierarchy of the church. So um, that authoritarian uh, way of looking at Christianity has taken a hold of our political system at this particular point in time. Uh, Hopefully that won't last because it is authoritarian and we uh, want to be inclusive rather than exclusive. And authoritarianism is extremely exclusive and very frightened frightened and frightening. Um, so, but that is, that's what's happened in America today, and that, that authoritarian belief is one of, we're right, we've got the only God, your God is wrong, your way of behaving isn't measuring up to what we think ought, it ought to be, therefore we can exclude you, we can um, p- treat you badly because we, you don't, we don't agree with you. And we can do that because we have the authority of the Bible behind us. And, of course, there's all kinds of misunderstandings and mistranslations of the Bible in that. And so I want to be clear that when I talk about the Christian religion, I'm talking about the Christian religion whereby persons live in the grace of the divine, not by the authoritarian rulership of human beings who claim to have 
their their only true understanding that there is of the divine. So I want to make that really clear. There's fundamentalist groups in several different religions, and they very often are based in the law, and they're very often based in authoritarianism, and they want to rule the world. Um, and it, it, what they say is that their religion is right and every other religion is wrong, and therefore they should have rulership of the world. And uh, while we in America have uh, been very um, adamantly opposed to the fundamentalism of, the, of ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other um, terrorist groups, we ourselves have our own kind of terror uh, that we promote through the fear base of this authoritarian religion that demands that other people be a part of that religion or excludes them, and also includes a really deep-seated belief in hellfire and damnation. So um, I want to be really clear to, to, to say that when we talk about religion today, in, this, in, in our in, um, discourse of today, we're not talking about that authoritarian thing that we call religion, because it, that is not, in my view, a true religion. That is, uh, it's a way of one uh, group of people having authority over another, period. And it does not base itself in the real esoteric truths of the Bible um, uh, in the West or in the East, um, so or in the other sacred texts of the East. Um so I wanted to talk just a little bit about um, about the various religions and how they view God, um, because I, uh, I think that it's really important for us to understand that. So we think about Hinduism, and a lot of people think that Hinduism is uh, the worship of many gods, and that that's all it is, that, that there's a god for everything and they worship many gods. But if you study Hinduism, you understand that there is one supreme god, and that the Supreme God is regarded as an entity that exists in and gives life to all things. That entity is believed to have created the universe and many other gods, which they call divas. To be, uh, and the divas are God's helpers. The different aspects of the Supreme God are worshipped depending on the Hindu tradition. And there are, are four principal Hindu denominations. Um, uh, the other gods are, are the helpers of the Supreme God are also worshipped. Gods in Hinduism are highly advanced spiritual beings, often represented in humanoid or partially humanoid forms. All Hindus worship one supreme being, though by different names. This is because the people of India with different languages and cultures have understood one God in their own distinct ways. Regional and family traditions can play a huge part in influencing this choice. Through history, these four principal Hindu denominations I mentioned arose. They are Saivism, Shaktism, Vaishnavism, and Smartism. For uh, Saivites, God is Siva. For Shaktas, God is Shakti is supreme. For Vaishnavites, the Lord Vishnu is God. And for Smartas, who see all deities as a reflection of the one God, the choice of deity is left to the devotee. So... What we understand here is that all of these various gods are, are a part or aspect or helpers of and or helpers of the ultimate divine, which is the supreme god. Um, and um, they call them by different names. And, of course, that gives it a different flavor. But uh, they all are helpers of or par uh, constituent parts of the supreme god. 
helpers of and constituent parts of the Supreme God. The divas are a little bit similar to our angels, only we don't, we're not as involved in the Western world with our angels as the Hindus are with their, with their devas. So, uh, you know, and we, there is a, in authoritarian religion, there is an idea that you shouldn't worship angels. Uh, I'm not sure what the word worship means there. I guess that means praise or consider them to be divine beings. And yet, throughout the Bible, you see stories about people falling on their faces before these divine beings that come before them that they call angels. And they are also called God. At the same time they're called angels, they're called God. So those are representations of God that give a message to people. And, uh, and so there is some form of worship there, even though there's a, an authoritarian belief that, we, that the, in the Christian church you shouldn't worship angels. So there is a similarity there between our angels and the devas of, the, of Hinduism. And um, there is a similarity between the Christian religion and the one supreme God. Um, the difference is that um, they are allowed to call their gods by different names or their devas by different names. And they, are, they, they believe that's all a part of the worship experience. So we call a tree a tree, but for the Hindu, it would mean that that tree uh, is it contains God, and that you can you can worship God through that tree. And so there are lots of different names for that, and we'll see that again a little bit in uh, Native American religion. I, I find this religion highly interesting, very uh, ritualized uh, organization with a lot of ecsta- ecstatic dance and ecstatic ritual that goes with it and uh it's 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 very charismatic in its uh approach to uh connection to the divine so that when people connect with the divine it's a real experience it's not just a prayer that they pray in an empty way and or they don't just go to church and what they would call it temple they don't just go there and and um pretend to be involved in the prayer while they got their eyes open and they're looking around the room for the next girlfriend or boyfriend. They're really ecstatically involved in the ritual. And uh, they come away with it from those rituals very commonly with deeply spiritual experiences and answers to deep questions that they've held. So uh, this is a powerful uh, religion and, and it offers a real deep connection to the divine. And when we dismiss that in our authoritarian uh, Christianity, uh, which I I make a little bit different than Christianity, which is more uh, uh, about developing the inner Christ, um, when we we dismiss Hinduism and say, oh, well, they're just, they just worship other gods, those are all false gods, what we're saying is, is that we're denying the power purpose and wisdom of these wonderful uh, rich ecstatic experiences that they have through their through their um, through their rituals and their prayers and uh, and and I really think that's a, a sad sad statement because we could learn a lot from the Hindus uh, we could learn a lot about how to connect to a real divine entity how to have an experience of the divine how to have a deeper spiritual walk with the divine how to really see the divine in all things, how to love at a deeper level. Those are the things that we can be taught by the Hindu religion. And 
by by dismissing it, we we dismiss a whole lot of very powerful and important aspects of our own religion in, in the Christian religion. Uh, and I use the word "our own" there very loosely because I'm referring to the whole Western uh, archetype of the of, of Christian religion. Um, so so it's important for us to consider these uh, rituals and and um, the the different names for for the different gods and the different denominations because they each have their own personality they each have their own essence that blesses in its own way and that is just rich that's just very very rich in it, in terms of its uh, power to um, give us a gift and bless us and uh, so again dismissing it leaves us out of that equation. Um, the African traditional beliefs and practices include various traditional religions, um, and they're usually oral rather than scriptural. They're not written down. They include a belief in a supreme creator, belief in spirits, veneration of the dead, and the use of magic and traditional medicine. Now, traditional medicine would not be the kind of medicine we think of traditional medicine or allopathic medicine. It's traditional in the sense that it's ancient and um, and in in that sense, it has great power to heal. So, uh, one of the things that's really true about African religions is uh, a real veneration for uh, their ancestors who have gone before them, and they believe that you can talk to your ancestors and gain knowledge and wisdom from your ancestors, uh, which is really fascinating to me uh, because they are what that means is that. Nothing really dies. And uh, one of the things that Christians fear the most in this authoritarian Christian religion is a um, is the fear of death and hell, the fear that if they die, they might go to hell for various reasons, uh, depending on the particular denomination. And, uh, you know, that's just not as much a part of the belief in the African religion. They believe that when people die, they stay around and they guard and they protect the people that they love. And that's just a really beautiful way of looking at that. And, and they really do gain a lot of, uh, of wisdom that way. Um, they, they believe that the role of humanity is one of harmonizing nature with the supernatural. So that our role is to really be a part of nature. And as we are a part of nature, we are more deeply connected to the, to the divine and we are more deeply connected to the magic of nature. Um, and they believe that nature has magic and, and that they can use, utilize that magic for healing and for, um, for connection to other people and for bu- building life, the lives they want to build. So, that, you know, that's, again, very powerful medicine, if you will, f- uh, for how we live on this planet. Um, and the, uh, that piece is left out, dismissed, considered to be bad, by a lot of authoritarian religion in the West. And so, uh, again, we're missing out on a great deal of information that could actually connect us in a deeper way to our own spirit and to the spirit of the divine. And uh, so, uh, uh, again, I think that's worth study. If you want to study that, certainly you can find sources online and books about African religions uh, uh, if you go looking for them. All right, so we're going to stop right there for right now and take a break, and we'll come back in just a minute with, uh, with more about other religions of the world and talk about how we might be able to access those religions in a way that's interfaith and interspiritual. 
Be right back after this message. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We've been talking today about an interfaith, interspiritual God, and what we've discovered uh, so far is that our the Pope, the Catholic Church, has indicated that he is no longer uh, interested in assuming that uh, the only way to access the divine is through Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is a big step for the Catholic Church, and I'm kind of hopeful that the authoritarian Christian Church that I've referenced are, uh, during this show will take a note from uh, Pope Francis and begin to understand that we can gain a lot of deeper spirituality from other religions and uh, we can uh, understand ourselves at a deeper level. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew religion, something I left out when we were talking about that, not Hebrew religion, I'm sorry, the Hindu religion, I left out when we were talking about um, uh, that a little while ago. In the Bhagavad Gita, they talk about a divine self um, when uh, there's a discussion there between two people and and uh, uh, the God that is being spoken to says to the person who's being spoken to that, um, that we can access divine self and that when we're in touch with divine self, that is the divine. And that is the central belief of the African religions also that say that the divine is in all things. And that is the central belief of the Hindu religion that says that the divine is in all things. Um, that's also in the Buddhist religion. And when we look at the root language of the Christian Bible, which is more looked at by esoteric Christians than it is by authoritarian Christians, 
um, we find that same understanding of ourselves as uh, us, there's a, that there's a divine essence to us that we have not realized, uh, and that lack of realization is our problem that we're trying to solve. And uh, so um, that theme runs through a lot of different religions, that there's this, um, there's this energy that's divine that runs through all people and all things. And it also is... Uh, considered in quantum physics as well through Einstein's uh, unified field theory through uh, some of the information that quantum uh, physics is attaining now about how um, information is passed from molecule to molecule over distances in time and space and uh, that kind of information is letting us know that there is some kind of unified field that there is some kind of way that we communicate with each other that's not about talking uh, and it's not about touch necessarily that that can be communicated from a distance um, and uh, as if we're sort of talking over water and letting the, the sound carries over water more. So the, these things are, are are coming clear to a lot of us who are are, are spiritual but not religious. Um, and as we explore more about, um, our own spirituality, we find deeper and deeper meaning in that whole concept that there's one, one, one divine energy, if you will, that flows through all things. And that's also true, we've talked about the Hindu religion, we've talked about some of the traditional beliefs of the African practices, and uh, that's also true in the Native American culture. They, they, um, the, they have many different names in the various tribes for a divine energy that flows through all things. And they talk to trees, and they talk to animals, and they ask the animals to bless them. They ask for the mountains to bless them. They ask, uh, they ask for the rocks to bless them. I'll never forget going to a, a sweat lodge at one point and hearing um, them thank the rocks and call them Grandfather Rock. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony. And uh, so we, uh, the Native Americans, have a lot to teach us about how to access the divine and where to access the divine. We don't just have to go to church as authoritarians would t- teach that we we go to church and we learn from the pre- the uh, pastor or minister or priest what to think about what the Bible says and we go by the Bible and the Bible is the word of God and we don't have any other way of accessing God but through the Bible or through Jesus Christ. And none of, that statement that I just made is not biblical but it is a part of the authoritarian religion that is uh, pretty big and loud right now in the Western world. And, uh, and I would argue with that. I'm, I'm, I would say that we need to be more open to less exclusivity and more information from uh, Native Americans, from Africans, from Hindus, from Sikhs, from Muslims, from all kinds of different people because they have information to give us about who we are as a species and about what the divine is and how we can interchange and interact with the divine in ways that we've not considered before because we've been stuck believing that our God is the only God and every other God is a false God. Um, So uh, Native Americans are rich with a lot of ritual. And again, uh, they can uh, get involved as the Hindus and as the Africans can get involved in very ecstatic rituals that allow them to connect to the divine in a very deep way that's very moving to them emotionally and that offers them information and guidance and healing, um, we don't tolerate that much in the Western world. Uh, We think that's a little bit silly 
and yet uh, it works very effectively for these people. Uh, in the Sikh religion, one of the larger growing religions in the East, uh, God or the Lord of the Sikh is an uncompromisingly monotheistic God. Um, so it's definitely just a one God, and they call it Ikankar, which means one all-pervading spirit, which is the same thing we just said about Native Americans and Hindus and Africans, uh, the African religion. The central tenet of the Sikh philosophy is that one all-pervading spirit. And what that means is that uh, uh, that God prevails in everything, that uh, God exists indescribable yet knowable and perceivable to anyone who's prepared to dedicate the time and energy to becoming perceptive to their own persona as well as to the divine within that persona. So uh, that one all-pervading spirit means that we have God in us. We are our, our constituent element of the divine. And that, as I said, is one of the beliefs of the uh, Hindu religion, the African religions, the Native American religion, and, and in the esoteric uh, Christianity, uh, that's also true. And we can also find that in Kabbalism, that one, uh, one all-pervading spirit that is a part of who we are, that we are constituent parts of the divine, but we've forgotten that, and we have to open to receive that, if uh, to do that. So that means we have to take the time and energy to become perceptive of that information. And so what we're discovering here is that there is a consistency of, con- of experience with the divine over time that at the bottom line, the people who have most richly connected to the divine have done so through this understanding that we are also a part of the divine. We are a constituent element of the divine. The divine is an all-pervading spirit in us, and we we just have forgotten that, and we've, we have to take the time to open to it. In uh, several of the Eastern religions, the, one of the ways we open to it is through the chakra system. The chakra system is found in the body, and uh, therefore, uh, the body is considered to be a wise part of our elemental connection to the divine. And uh, so, we open those chakras through meditation and through healing endeavors. We open those chakras that are otherwise closed, meaning they're not informing us of what they could inform us of because they're shut down. Um, but we have to work to open them. And as we do that, we become wiser and more alive and more uh, our lives become more fulfilling. So we are, uh, uh, we are becoming more and more aware of who we are as a divine being in that way. Um, and that means that all-pervading spirit is becoming more and more known to us as a part of our bodies and our minds. So in, in the authoritarian Christian world, to say that I am a divine being uh, as one with God is blasphemy. Um, but in the esoteric Christian world, that is not true. We are one with God, and God is one with us, and we are therefore able to connect to God very easily through just going within, through some meditation, through healing work, through um, connecting to the divine in other uh, in other beings, other humans, other animals, other uh, parts of nature. Um, so um, those those things are also true. Um, will the esoteric Christian uh, religion ever have as much power as authoritarian religion? I don't know because the authoritarian religion is based in power, 
And one of the things that I think is true about the authoritarian religion is it's run by modern-day Pharisees who seem to want power. And so uh, esoteric Christianity does not look for power. It's looking for the divine. And uh, so we're not going to see that as much in, in the esoteric Christianity as we will in the, uh, in the authoritarian Christianity that where, where there's one law, there's one God, all those other gods are false, Everybody who doesn't obey that one law, the way we see that law, is a sinner, and we get to kick them out and tell them that they're bad and, and uh, you know, uh, punish them in whatever way we see is necessary to punish them. So that's that's what's sort of taken over America at this point, um, and it has a lot of power, and it's a little frightening to a lot of us. Um, but there is an esoteric Christianity as well. And those people uh, who are more involved in the spiritual dynamic of Christian religion are not uh, exclusive. They are very commonly very much more interfaith, much more interspiritual in their approach to the divine, and much more willing to accept and include other religions and have dialogue with other religions and actually gain from other religions um, and other paths that aren't religions as well. Um, so we were talking about the Sikh, uh, and that's where we uh, sort of jumped off into that whole idea of the one all-pervading spirit that's also found in several other religions. The Muslims um, uh, uh, worship the God of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham, which is the same God that the Jewish people worship. Um, and also, most Christians would consider that's the same God that uh, the Christians worship. However, many Christians argue that this is not the same God as Christians worship because that God does not eventually have a son named Jesus Christ who come to save us for us from our sins. So uh, then they say, well, Islam is very different from Christianity because, um, because they don't include Jesus Christ. Well, they would say the same thing about the Jewish faith as well that is built in, in a lot of uh, uh, esoteric information on the Jewish faith uh, that um, can be found in Kabbalism, but also found in, in traditional uh, Jewish um, dialogue. Um, one of the things that I really love about the Jewish church, uh, Jewish temples and, and the people that uh, go there, is that they don't tell people what they should believe. They have a lot of open dialogue with a lot of questioning and a lot of discussion about what various laws mean, about what various um, texts of the Bible mean, etc., etc. So it's a very interesting way of, of, of trying to get to a deeper truth that they have that, that, that's kind of fun to watch and listen to and participate in. Um, but there is a, lo a lot of similarity between Islam and the Jewish faith in that they're worshiping the same God. And when you look at the root language of the Quran and the root language of the, ta uh, the uh, Tanakh, the Jewish Tanakh, you find that same idea of an all-pervading spirit. Um, you have to look at the root language because there's, you know, we can those translations of translations of translations don't necessarily give us the true meaning of the words that are in those books, but. Uh, you do find it there when you go looking for that in the root language, and that, that's, a, that's something that I'm really promoting now is for us to stop just reading the Bible and saying that's the gospel, that's how it is, but rather to, to say 
uh, in the Christian church to say we need to look at the original language, and that's accessible to us. We can find that information. A lot of people feel really hopeless about that because they're not being told by their church leaders to go uh, to these various websites where they can look at concordances and look at the root language and the root language and the root language of various words and find out that actually what they've been taught the Bible says doesn't really say that at all. So they're not telling people to go there. So two, here's two sites you can go to. Crosswalk.com has some lexicons, a lexicon page with Greek words and Hebrew words. You can look up any word there and find out what uh, its root language is. You look at the word, you look at its various meanings, and then you look at where it is rooted, and then it'll lead you to another word, and you can look at its meanings and lead to another word and look at its meanings until you get to a collective bit of information that gives you the real connotation of the word being used. Um, also, uh, netbible.org, netbible.org uh, is another organization that you can go to, and they will also give you the Hebrew uh, and Greek words that are used, uh, as well as various other t- uh, translations. And um, you can gain a lot of information about the root language that uh, in from those two sites. Uh, and I really love to look up words there because what I've very commonly found is that the translations given to us, passed down to us um, from the generations, uh, are not very accurate. Um, they don't say what it really says. They say what it got interpreted to mean based on the political agenda of the time because as we know when the Bible was translated originally it was translated in a very hotly political environment where only certain beliefs were to be uh, promulgated among Christians and everything else was considered to be heresy so when they read the words they picked out the word that fit most with what they were had to fit into with their political agenda um, but now we're free to look up those words and find the, the true meanings. And I really encourage that because what we find, if, if you go looking for it, is that the, the Bible agrees with the Sikh religion, agrees with Sikhism, it, it agrees with Hinduism, it agrees with African religions, it really agrees to na- Native American religions, it agrees with Islam, it agrees with Buddhism. Because... It's telling us this about this one all-pervading spirit of which are we are a constituent part. Um, so it, when you look at it from that perspective, it's pretty easy to consider that there are that we can gain a lot from other religions and other paths, um, and that we have more to learn about what true religion really is, what true spirituality really is. We have a long way to go when it comes to authoritarian Christianity uh, or the what conservative right or the Christian right, however you want to label that. Uh, we have a long way to go in terms of getting to a deeper spirituality. Um, and, uh, and, and this can give it to us, to be able to look at God from an interfaith, interspiritual perspective that understands that all these religions are basically saying the same thing, not only about our behavior about loving one another and about being kind to one another and sharing to one another, which all of them say, but also about who God is and who we are, who the divine is, what is the divine, what is it made of, what, who are we and in com- comparison to that divine essence. So there's a lot of information we could gain from these other religions. 
And um, so we're going to take another break right now, and uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about Buddhism, and then we'll uh, uh, have some more information about how we can begin to live more from uh, interfaith, interspiritual connection to the divine. Stay tuned right after this. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring your story. Sarah Mare brings the psychology. Bring your problems. Sarah Mare brings the meditation and understanding. Sarah Mare is a psychoanalyst, addiction expert, national fitness competitor, top 40 singer-songwriter, and now she's host of Talk with Sarah Mare, where your life is the inspiration for unique, entertaining conversations about romances, aspirations, even the news, and how psychology and meditation can enrich living. Sarah Mare wants to hear you on Talk with Sarah Mare. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about an interfaith, interspiritual God. So we've talked about Hinduism, we've talked about uh, Sikhism, we've talked about Islam, we've talked about Native Americans' religion, and we've talked about the African traditions and practices of religion. Um, and I wanted to talk just a little bit about Buddhism. Buddhism does not have a God, so to speak, that they believe in. Um, but they do talk about self, which is also no self, which is an interesting paradox. Um, and Buddhism really does thrive on paradox. Um, they talk about a self, a Buddha nature that is found in all people if we look deep enough. And the Buddha nature is also found in nature, in animals and in and uh, and uh, um, nature itself. Um, and there's a self that is the Buddha nature. And there's a no-self that is the, our pretense that we are not the Buddha nature. And that's very similar to uh, the, what is talked about in the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu religion, where they talk about having to go look for the divine self, which is very different from the persona. 
that's also true in the Sikh religion where they say if we dedicate the time and energy to become perceptive of the persona, we begin to see it as different from that knowable and perceivable divine energy that is within us. So um, the, the, the Buddha, uh, well, there's you know, a big long story about the Buddha and how he came to be the Buddha. Um, but he, what people do in the Buddhist religion do pray to the Buddha. Uh, in a similar way to the way the African traditions would ask us to pray to our ancestors. And also, uh, um, Taoism can also involve prayer to ancestors. So, um, But um, the idea of self-no-self is the biggest, most important thematic uh, uh, structure of Buddhism, because that's ultimately what we're looking for, is to find the Buddha nature, the self that... Uh, that is both no self in the sense that it is uh, it is not caught up in the ego, but it's also uh, it's also self in the sense that it's very real Buddha nature. Um, but it also it's uh, the no self is also the identity or the ego that's not necessarily our divine nature. So um, that can be a little bit confusing to talk about and think about. You'd have to read some of the. Some of the Buddhist literature about the Vedas, the I mean not the Vedas, the Buddhist uh, um, sutras, and um, and to be able to get clear on that, and I have done some some pretty intense studies of those sutras and found that information to be very interesting, particularly with regard to something called Tathagatha Garbha, which has to do with this self no self paradox, um, but. But uh, what we've said, though, is that's very similar to these other beliefs. So what we've come to thus far is the idea that all religions have at their base, including Christianity, though the authoritarian Christians would deny this, um, there is at at the base, at the root language, a very true uh, understanding of God as one all-pervading spirit where there's a, a deep connection that we can have with the divine because we are one with the divine, not because we're good or because we're not sinful or because we have chosen to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, but because we are human beings who were, who are innate, innately um, divine beings who have forgotten that fact. And that can be found throughout the text of the, uh, the Old and New Testaments in the root language. And it is found in, in the sacred texts of other religions that we've discussed here today. So there is a lot more in common than different in these religions. And that's why we have to assume that there's a lot of um, ego and personal... Uh, um, trying to keep other people out, personal exclusivity in these religions where, I mean, not in these religions, in this attitude that uh, we can, we have to get other people out of our face with regard to religion. Um, And so, you know, there's this big idea in the Western world, particularly right now among our politicians, that that the Western version of religion is the only truth and anything else that's out there is not true, and that's running a lot of our political agenda right now, uh, which is moving it toward a theocracy instead of a democracy. 
and 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 that in and of itself is a little bit frightening but but the the idea is based in the, that authoritarian view that uh, that there's only one God and it's our God and your God is all wrong and if you believe in anything else than what we believe then you're wrong and if you believe in any other God or call your God by anything else than what we call our God then you are uh, then you're worshiping a false God and that makes you evil and we don't want anything to do with you. Um, and that that belief is comes from the authoritarian version of Christianity, not the esoteric version of Christianity, where we get to know the deeper spiritual truths of the Christian faith. Um, so while that one feels very dominant right now because of uh, the dominance of the poli- political environment uh, and the fact that the leadership in that uh, in that religion is authoritarian in its nature even to the point of, uh, you know, making large, huge national organizations that pass down edicts to the local churches and define how their theology and their organization and their hierarchy ought to go, uh, that, that piece has taken a very authoritarian approach, uh, which means there's no room for a rethinking. There's no room for for there to be any new or different version of the Bible. There's no room to rethink this whole idea of, uh, you know, this this idea that people are going to go to hell. There's no re- room to rethink uh, what we do with angels. There's no room to rethink what uh, how we receive messages from the divine. In fact, authoritarian religion would say that um, the only way to receive a message from the divine is to read it in the Bible. And if the Bible doesn't say it, it's not true, and you have to interpret the Bible the way they interpret the Bible, or it's not really the Bible. And uh, But revelation is uh, one of the ways that uh, that truth is revealed throughout the Bible. In all the stories of the Bible, the people of the Bible receive information directly from the divine or through an angel, which is also, they also call God, so that's also directly to the divine. They're given information directly, but somehow, since the Christian church has taken over, uh, the authoritarian Christian church, all of that goes away, and people, when they get a revelation, they're considered to be odd, weird, or just wrong, and that just can't be the truth, especially if the revelation says anything like, there's only one all-pervasive spirit, because uh, that is considered to be blasphemy in the authoritarian Christian church, which is just the opposite of what the Bible actually says at its root language. So there's a lot of uh, stuff that's out there right now that would tell us that we cannot possibly ever have an interfaith, interspiritual God. And um, that stuff is being run by by what I would call modern-day Pharisees, what Jesus called vipers or whitewashed tombs, um, and you can find there, you, you can find the people of the modern day Pharisee described by letter and dotted I and cross T in the New Testament in Jesus's words. He describes them specifically, and they look exactly the same today. And they are running a lot of this authoritarian thinking. And, uh, and so, you know, he, what Jesus said was that the Pharisees, there would be woe to the Pharisees because they were keeping people from entering the kingdom of heaven. And what what greater uh, sin would there be out there than to keep people that you're supposed to be leading 
from the kingdom of heaven if the kingdom of heaven is offered to Christian adherents. Uh, if you're supposed to be able to get to the kingdom of heaven because you're a Christian, but you can't because the leadership in the church is keeping you from going there, that's a real problem. And that's what's happening today, that a lot of the, the, the authoritarian leadership is actually keeping people from entering their own souls. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a whole lot of information about the kingdom of heaven in the book Inhabiting Heaven Now, which is on. Uh, you can purchase on Amazon.com. Uh, I wrote that book in 2013. It came out in 2013. A lot of information about what the heaven, kingdom of heaven really is. It's not this place we go to after we die. It's something we can do right now here on planet Earth as we enter into ourselves. And that's what the uh, modern-day authoritarian Pharisee is doing they're telling us, don't go inside yourself and ask God what's really true. Don't go inside yourself and look for your soul. Don't go inside your house self to have a spiritual experience. Don't do that. Listen to us. We have the interpretation of the Bible. We know what's true. Just go to the Bible and read it like we tell you to read it, and everything will be fine. And, of course, that's a lie. Um, and uh, so that lies keeping people from understanding that the, the truest divine is inner faith and inner spiritual in that it's not exclusive, it's inclusive. Um, just as Jesus went and talked to the Samaritan woman because, and shared uh, uh, religious dialogue with a female, uh, which was unheard of at the time um, and is still unheard of in the authoritarian church of today, uh, you know, he did that because what he was saying was there's just, God is just everywhere. God is not a being that's only uh, true for one religion. Uh, he, he crossed the lines several times in several different ways. He crossed the lines that were laid out by their Pharisees of those days. And those same kinds of lines are being drawn out today in the authoritarian Christian church where people are told what to believe instead of challenged to go within and let God speak to them. And uh, but, but a lot of people have left the church for that very reason, and that's sad because the church could do this work of helping people get involved in their deeper selves and uh, have a deeper relationship with God and commune with God in, as that all-one, all-pervading spirit that God is. Uh, they could do that work, but they're not doing it, and that's why we can call them modern-day Pharisees or vipers. So, uh, so you know, when we talk about an interfaith, interspiritual God, what we're talking about is is one entity that people can attain through various pathways. And whether you call that entity Shakti, or whether you call it God, or whether you call it uh, 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 some other name that's uh, uh, an animal name, or a name of a tree, or a mountain, or a rock. Whatever you call that, that is that is your pathway to the divine. And if you can have an experience with the divine, uh, that's that's how we gain knowledge of the divine. Just like we gain knowledge of ourselves by having deeper experiences of the self. Just like we have uh, we we have to have experiences of other people in order to know them. We can only know God or the divine by having an experience with the divine. And uh, this other knowledge that's supposedly passed down to us from other people can't really be ours unless we experience it and resonate with it. We can try to cram it down our own throats, but that's not really true. That's not really true spirituality. 
So what we've discovered today is that there, in, in several different religions, there is this one theme of an all-pervading spirit that is the divine, and that we are constituent elements of that all-pervading spirit, therefore one with the divine. But we've forgotten that, and because we have, we don't live that way. And so we have to do the work, dedicate the time and energy to become perceptive about what's going on within us with regard to the divine. And that work is the work of spirituality. And the, this thing of obeying laws and, and, and cutting other people out of our lives and judging other people and telling them how they ought to live, that's not spirituality. So uh, I think that's all I want to say about that today. And uh, I want to tell you we're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.